Welcome to Profiles in Valor, stories of decorated men and women serving in today's military. Our guest today is Major David Williams, Jr., recipient of the Bronze Star for actions serving in Operation Iraqi Freedom. Major Williams, welcome to the program. Thanks. Glad to be uh, on your show. From what I understand, you developed, you deployed for your second tour in Iraq in February 2007 uh, as the plan's liaison officer for uh, coalition forces and a planner for the 3rd Infantry Division. Can you tell us a little bit about the role of a planner in a combat zone like Iraq? Uh, yeah, we're extremely busy planning uh, operations, uh, tactical operations and, and non-tactical operations regarding deployments and various different topics that we plan. We're, you know, basically the commander uh, gives us his intent and his guidance, and, and, and what the planner tries to do is similar to like a project manager in the civilian world, but you, you take that intent and guidance and you and try to come up with a you know, feasible and, and executable plan uh, to make that, uh, that the commander's intent and guidance make it happen and, and turn into reality. And you worked uh, quite a bit with, with not just U.S. forces uh, from the 3rd ID while in Iraq, but also from other countries who are part of the coalition. Can you tell us a little bit about working with the two as it pertains to your role as a planner? Right. Yeah, that was that was a really neat experience uh, working with the coalition. I didn't I didn't know it was uh, going to happen when I went into Iraq, but I, I got tasked with Georgian Brigade. Uh, they were actually the third largest contributor to Iraq at that period of time, and sent up to the country of Georgia, Tbilisi, Georgia, to plan their exercises and prepare them for, for operations in Iraq and preparing them for to work under 3ID. So what we did was took a lot of our standard operating procedures and report formats and got them translated into Georgian and uh, to facilitate the exercise. But we also you know came up with like an event list that ran the exercise based off the kind of situations that they would likely encounter in Iraq. And I came up with those, and, and it was a neat experience. And we also shared a lot of current intelligence uh, with them to prepare them. And it was just neat, this, the, the personal relationships that we built with, the, with their brigade staff before we came into Iraq and, uh, and the sharing of information and just kind of familiarization with, with the coalition. I mean, overall, I worked with the El Salvadorians and Kazakhs and Lithuanians as well and to kind of help plan their, their training either in their home country or what they received in Kuwait prior to them coming into Iraq. I also had the opportunity to, you know, you know work with a lot of their, their senior officers, and I just learned a lot from them. It was, it was a unique perspective, you know, being a planner and working with these coalition forces and, and, and just getting their perspective on, on the enemy and their perspective on doing business, and they bring a lot of capabilities to the fight, and it was, it was just great to work with them. It was a really neat experience, and I just really enjoyed it. And how is it different between you know, working with them and American forces? What, what did you pick up on in, in your dealings with them? You know, obviously we had some language barriers, uh, which, which caused some problems. You know, so we tried to you know, hire some interpreters to facilitate communications between us, but it was very difficult uh, sometimes to, to find somebody who could speak Georgian, Russian, Arabic, English. Sometimes when the, when the Georgians were dealing with the Iraqis, they have two or three interpreters in a discussion to, to translate a conversation. So there's some communication issues there, but I uh, try to resolve them again with developing personal relationships with them. And we had some equipment challenges. Uh, you know, a lot of the coalition equipment didn't interact with, with our own equipment, and we had to you know find some workarounds with that. You know, for example, their machine gun mounts, their you know Soviet-style machine guns, didn't fit into our Humvee gun mounts. So we we had a, some people in Kuwait fabricate you know 300 of these adapters to adapt their Soviet-style machine guns into American-style Humvees. So challenges along you know the communication and equipment integration, but 
they're, they're you know they seem motivated. They had high morale to be there. Uh, they're they're glad to be there, and it is really neat work on them. I should note that your exercises that you worked with on with the Georgians were the first American exercises to really take place in a former Soviet republic, correct? Right, of, of, of this nature, yeah. We had, um, I mean, we, I think we've been in Georgia for about four or five years before I got there with, with forces conducting you know, training. But this is the first, uh, you know, computer simulated uh, command post exercise, secret exercise to, to prepare them for their operations in, in combat. It was neat to be a part of that, and we had people from the states and, and Europe. Uh, flying to facilitate this exercise, and then you know the group that that I brought up with me from Iraq it was a really neat experience to uh, to be up there and and work with the the Georgians. Well, what can you say about the changes in efficiency you saw while working with the Georgians and the other members of the coalition as time progressed? They definitely you know became more proficient. Just, just like American forces, when, when you first come into Iraq, you know the first few weeks, first few months, you're just you know kind of understanding the situation. And, and it was really no difference with, with with the coalition forces, you know, just kind of settling in, understanding the terrain, understanding the Iraqis that you're dealing with, understand who who the enemy is, and yeah, they, they became you know really proficient at operations, and they became proficient in in what they're doing, and it was great to see that over a period of time. Your second deployment began there in February 2007, so you were really there during some critical times during uh, the war in Iraq. What was your sense of, you know, how things were going during that time and leading up to where we're at today? Right. When I, when I began my second tour, which which was on five days' notice, I was the advance party for 3ID um, at the theater. There, the rest of the division headquarters came about a month and a half behind me. Yeah, it was a tough time. I think General Petraeus had, had just come in like the month or two prior. So there's definitely some uh, change in direction needed in Iraq. The insurgency was full-flung at that time. I think 2006 was, was probably the worst year in Iraq. And, you know, as we were part of the surge. We were the division headquarters to kind of command and control those those five brigades going into Iraq. Yeah, it was, it was a critical time. It was really neat being a planner and also, you know, working at CORE, Multinational Corps Iraq, and being exposed to uh, that high-level decision-making of the plans. And, and then over a 15-month deployment, seeing those plans and the commander's intent and guidance where he wanted to to take it, the end state of Iraq. And, and about 15 months later, you, you really saw the, the, the fruits of our labor with, with our planning efforts as far as on the ground changes that were occurring in a positive direction, you know, with the, with the you know, irreversible momentum, as we called it, of the Iraqis taking charge and, and being the lead, both the government and their army. And then, you know, last month, a year after return, but the Iraqis are clearly in the lead in Iraq. What have you been doing since your tour, and what are your plans for the future? For about six or seven months, I went back to Fort Stewart, Georgia, and was still a planner there. We're quite busier than I expected to be uh, back stateside. I work on a few different projects. December, I moved to Fort Leavenworth, Kansas, to begin the Command and General Staff College in February. Been in that for about six months, really enjoying it. And I was applied and accepted into the School of Advanced Military, Military Studies. I'm going to be at Fort Leavenworth for, for another year. And then after that, I'll probably uh, go to a core level or, or higher command level uh, headquarters to, uh, to be a planner. Well, we uh, certainly wish you best of luck, and uh, Major David Williams, Jr., thank you for your service. Profiles in Valor is produced by the American Veterans Center and Radio America. To hear more profiles, subscribe on iTunes or visit www.americanveteranscenter.org. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club! Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. Ch -ch 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 
That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.